What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Craig Spodak from the Spodak Dental Group and from the Bulletproof Dental Practice. And I've got a topic today that's really near and dear to my heart. It's the insurance conundrum. And uh, everybody always asks me, are you on dental insurance? Are you a participating provider? Are your doctors in your practice? How do I get on more insurance? How do I get off insurance? I know it's a subject that we're constantly talking about on our podcast and one that I really feel that I have some unique perspective. So in our practice, we have about 10 different doctors and some of them are on dental insurance and some are not on dental insurance. And there's a lot of interesting things that I've learned over the 21 years of dental practice that I've had. And one thing I've learned is that basically I wanna start this off by saying, this is your choice. Insurance is your choice. If you like the model of dentistry that you're practicing in, if you're on every single network and you've come to find yourself in a groove where your patients are saying yes, you're making the type of money you have, you want, your team is fulfilled and everything's going great, then actually just turn off this video right now. This is not for you. I wanna just tell you that right away because I do believe there's multiple different modalities to practice. And I don't think it's one size fits all. So I'm coming to you right now to say, this is your choice. But if you are interested in learning how to grow a fee-for-service practice and not just be beholden to the insurance companies, then please stay tuned to this video. So the first thing I wanna talk about is insurance, in my opinion, is a penalty that you have to pay for being unremarkable. I'm sorry to say that's so harsh, but um, you've stuck through this video thus far because you're interested in having a fee-for-service practice and breaking the shackles of the insurance company. So I'm gonna leave it to you pretty direct and pretty raw. For those of you who know me, you know that's my style. So I say that because insurance companies commoditize the dentist. What does that mean? That means that basically they set your fee schedule, set your reimbursements, and they treat you no different from the guy down the block. So if you are not willing to be remarkable in any sort of way, if, you're, if, you're a, if your patients don't even know your name, like oftentimes I'll see people about town, I'm like, oh, you don't come to me as your dentist, who do you go to? I'm like, oh, I don't even know his name, I know he practices by Chipotle, but they don't even know your name. So, I mean, if they don't know who you are, you get ready because you could be replaced like that. So you've gotta be remarkable in some fashion. Insurance essentially is advertising. If you're not willing to make yourself remarkable in any way, you're not willing to call your patients after their procedures, you're not willing to know their story before they come in or read the notes about who they are before they come in, enthusiastically treat them, ask them for referrals, be the high level dentist that you want to be, then you're going to have to take the insurance company because that's advertising. But unlike advertising where you pay one time for a client, insurance you pay into perpetuity. So if you do an advertising campaign that's well-crafted, let's say you create a video explaining your passion for dentistry and you put that on Facebook or Instagram, you gain a patient and the cost of acquisition stops the minute they show up. So let's say you spent $100 on an ad campaign and three people came in. Your cost is about $33 per patient. But after that, provided you don't make them mad or piss them off, you've got them for life. So your cost of acquisition was 33 bucks. If you're in an insurance company, and I can't speak to the averages about reduction in fees, but let's just say that from that point forward, you're gonna be accepting a 20 or 30 or 40% discount on your fees. So the average patient spends, let's say 2,000 or $3,000 with you. That means every year forever, you're paying for that patient 1,000 or $2,000. And it can get very costly over time. 
So think about insurance as an advertising budget. If you have a $0 advertising budget and you're super proud and you're booked up for weeks, but you're clogged up with a lot of low paying plans, you may just be busy and not productive. Another thing I want to talk about, I have had dentists that have worked for me. Specifically, there was actually one oral surgeon that I remember. He was producing and collecting probably about one five on three days per week. But you know what? He had a lot of time available in his schedule. And he actually, what I realized through him and through others, he wanted to leave my practice because he believed that if he had all this extra time, he could actually be more busy in another environment. So he got his wishes. He went to working five days a week, seeing patients all the time. And guess what? He produced and collected about one four. So I've come to realize that dentists, including myself, have two needs, one to make money and one to be busy. And sometimes those needs have nothing to do with each other. If you have a day where you're literally busy all day, you don't even have time to take a bathroom break, you feel like you're doing really well, but you gotta look at your numbers. It's not just how you feel, numbers are the true indicator. So if you're really busy and you're really happy about that and you can't see a new patient for two to three weeks, that fee-for-service patient that's gonna wind up needing to call your office and be seen within a day or two cannot be seen because insurance practices will grow like weeds. Fee-for-service practices grow like you're growing tomatoes. You don't have to plant seeds to grow weeds. They just show up because insurance is like a faucet. Once you turn it on, it will fill your tub faster than the rain would fill it. So it's a fast spigot. So if you don't look at insurance and really reevaluate over time, that's something you need to do because ultimately you'll be overrun with the insurance practice if you're doing it right. So the other thing I want to talk about is I've seen an interesting trajectory with different dentists. I've had plenty and I have many dentists here in the practice right now, 10 to be exact. I have a new dentist who will remain nameless, but she showed up and in three months, she's not going to be taking any insurance. She's only been here three or five months and she's already has a case acceptance rate that's high enough that I actually looked her in the eye and I said, you know what, doc, I don't think you need to sign up on plans. And she's like, really? I'm like, no, because you have a 76% case acceptance rate. Patients are loving you. They leave here, they're writing Google reviews. You can't help yourself but make them happy. So you know what? I don't necessarily need to think that you or think we should think to put you on the insurance plans. We can always turn them on later. So that's a very interesting thing because I have other doctors that have been here for maybe two or three years and they have insurance patients and they're on a lot of plans because they might have a 30% case acceptance rate. So if you're batting average, and I'm using a sports analogy and I really shouldn't because I don't know my sports very well, but let's say only 50% of your up at bats you get to hit or you strike, I, I'm sorry, you, you get on base rather. That's why I shouldn't use sports analogies. That means that you have to get up at bat a lot of times to get on base. But if you've got a 76% batting average, or 76% of the time you hit and you get on base, you don't need a lot of up at bats. So insurance can cover less than remarkable performance. If you don't know your treatment acceptance rate, it's time to know that. If I ask most dentists what their treatment acceptance rate is, they're like, oh, everybody says yes to me. Yeah, 75, 85, 95, maybe 100%, I think that's what it is. Get some software like Dental Intel or others and flick that numbers on and you'll start seeing holy smokes I only have a 30% treatment acceptance rate. You feel good, you walk in, the patient's like, oh, I love you, doc, and then as soon as you walk out, they're like, I don't have the money to go forward this treatment. And what the patients say is, I don't have the money, but then two or three months later, you find out they went on a four-week cruise. So it's not that they don't have the money, because that's what patients will tell you. What they really mean is, I did not see value in the treatment you presented. And if you don't have the emotional intelligence to look in and realize what's going on and get that data, you can never improve. 
So it's really important to look at your statistics and your data. Because if you don't want to work on those percentages, you're going to need to stay in a high volume practice. And by high volume, lots of patients coming through the door. A really skilled dentist who has the hands, the rapport to connect with the patient, and the ability to diagnose, that trifecta I always talk about, that doctor can nail it with just 10 patients a month, or maybe even five to 10 patients a month. But if you have great hands, great diagnosis, but no ability to connect to a patient, you are going to need 50 new patients a month just to get to basic numbers to keep your um, averages up. So it's a numbers game, and really at the end of the day, when you find yourself frustrated that you don't have the ability to go fee for service, look at yourself in the mirror. Favorite saying I once heard is every time you point a finger out, there's three fingers pointing back at you. So don't think it's because you live in Canada, or don't think it's because, you know, in your area, they don't have the money. It's, it's oftentimes you. It could be a location problem, I'm not saying that, but it's you and your team that add the value. So you gotta control what you can. And I'm a big believer, if you can control it yourself, you can own it and make it better. So how to fix these things? How to get fee-for-service? If you want to, get your treatment acceptance rate up. By up, I mean 40% or better. So maybe it should, historically in our practice, we've, we've always had 45%. If your treatment acceptance rate is 95%, you either have one of two phenomena. You're an amazing enroller, you're like, you're like the, literally the God's gift to dentistry, or you might be presenting too little treatment. So I don't want a doctor to be presenting, let's say, $30,000 a month in treatment and have a 90% treatment acceptance rate. That is not good because when patients come in and you're motivated to do the right thing for them and you have a healthy, thriving practice, you should be able to diagnose and find work that needs to be done. And let's face it, if you fail to enroll a patient, especially in our practice because we have very high ethics and we only diagnose and look for treatment that really needs to be done, if our patients say no, the disease that they have is getting worse. So the fillings that we recommended or the single crown we recommended is turning into root canals, it's turning into implants and bridges. Our treatment plans, those patients are getting worse. So it's kind of like if you have a spot of cancer, the best time to get it out is right now. Don't wait for the cancer to spread and metastasize through your body. So get your treatment acceptance rate up, number one. The next thing is authenticity and energy. You have to enjoy what you do or at least find some alignment to bring that energy to your treatment acceptance. If you're in there, you're, you're looking down, you're not confident, you're recommending stuff that you don't believe in, don't do that. Find the type of dentistry that makes you fired up and show them that because rapport will get that up. Owner mindset. No matter if you're an associate in your practice or you're an owner, you own your results. So you have to step it up, look at yourself in the mirror and make yourself better. But you have to own the results. You can't just say, oh, September's always slow. Or, you know, um, the reason why I have low treatment acceptance is because I get all the complicated patients. It's amazing when I talk to dentists around the country how they have global and, and fixed mindsets versus growth mindsets. I'll ask people something and they say, what I really need is marketing help. Well, why do you need that? Because I live in Canada and it's really hard to convince patients to do work in Canada. Or I live in uh, California, people in California don't want to work. It's like when you meet somebody, one of your friends is like complaining she can't find a boyfriend or one of my guy friends is like, you know, I can't meet, I can't meet a girl around here because you know girls in Florida. I'm like, no, I don't know girls in Florida. Girls are girls and Florida's Florida. And don't make these global ideas that you're trapped. Own your result. Take yourself into the picture. Focus on yourself. Control what you can control. Canada is not a bad place to practice dentistry. Florida's not. 
California is not. Don't make a global problem. Look at yourself in the mirror and try to fix it yourself. Call your patients post-op. Huge, huge, huge. We had Bloody Tooth Guy on the practice on the podcast, rather. He's an oral surgeon. And I could just tell by his, you know, his scores on Google and who he was. I asked him a poignant question. I said, Bloody Tooth Guy, because I don't know who he is. He's anonymous. I said, I'm just out of curiosity. Do you call every single patient at the end of each appointment? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Been doing that for 15 years. And I knew it. I was so proud of myself. I just knew he was doing that because that is literally the most valuable in money and emotion one minute you can spend per day uh, calling those patients or maybe five minutes if you see a lot. Just saying, hey, Mrs. Jones, it's Dr. Craig from the, from the practice. Want to make sure you're doing okay from today's dental procedure. And that is gold, literally gold. So give yourself five minutes at the end of every day. Don't do it the next day. Do it at the evening of the procedure. Because what will wind up happening, you did a filling, the bite's a little high. And what do they do? They don't call you. They go on Google or they, they phone their friend whose cousin's grandfather's a dentist. And then they start saying, oh, it hurts. It feels weird. You probably need a root canal. Or you might need, even need an implant. Oh, who'd you go to? And they start going on WebMD. And before you know it, three days later, you have a huge problem. You could have easily cut that problem off before it ever became a problem. Call the patient. How you doing, Mrs. Jones? It's kind of funny. When I bite in a little bit, it feels a little high. No worries. That was because you're numb. I'll squeeze you in tomorrow. It'll take me five minutes. No concern. Out of mind. Totally done. So call your patients. That is gold. My dad taught me that 20 years ago when I started practice, and I still do it today. Super, super important. Easiest hack of all to do. Um, and then experience. Last, experience. It is not that patients are looking for just a painless visit. They're actually looking for an experience. Even Starbucks is an experience. The first time I went into a Starbucks 20 years ago, I ordered a coffee. I'm like, oh no, you don't want a coffee. You want a latte. I'm like, yeah, give me a small one. No, you don't want a small one. You want a tall. They have their own language, their own vibe, their own style. I go to Starbucks all over the world. They're always slammed. The reason why, it's not just coffee. It's a whole experience. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what I want to leave you with today. How to get yourself free of the insurance shackles should you desire. If you don't, no worries. Thanks for listening to this video. If you want to learn more, go to Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Listen to what we're doing. We're just trying to pay it forward. Uh, download the book. The Audible version is releasing soon. And also, we have a summit coming up on February 28th and 29th in Houston, Texas. Go to BulletproofDentalPractice.com, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening, people. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. If you got any value or insight from today's episode, we ask for your help. First, review us on iTunes. It creates awareness to help others find us, and it literally takes like five seconds. Second, if you want to stay in touch with announcements and updates, text the words Bulletproof, all one word, to 345345. We promise not to bombard you with spam text. Also, don't forget to check out our upcoming summit, 2020 registration page at bulletproofsummit.com. We're going to be focusing on digital marketing, including social media. Do not miss this one for real. Thanks y'all.